Hi and welcome to Detox Talks the Detox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Chandirmani and you are listening to Detox Talks the Detox We've upped inside here on the podcast, one of my favorite video creators. He works on content on our tech. He's been at CNBC. His content is amazing. If you haven't checked it out, go on and check it out. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. So you've been a kind of digital nomad. How's that been for you? <laughs> it's been amazing. I started, you know, I grew up in California and moved to to DC, New York, and then my company moved me to Singapore. And so it all started when I took a trip to Bali. So most people in Bali were there for one month or two or three months, and then they would go to Portugal, or then they would go to Canada or Mexico. So, you know, once I, I would have never done this lifestyle had I not seen other people doing it. And I think what, one thing I loved so much about this lifestyle was that it attracts a certain kind of person, somebody who is not okay with the status quo. They're not okay to just get a job nine to five and work, you know, Monday through Friday. They wanted more to life. They wanted to discover new things, new places. And, you know, most of them are entrepreneurs as well. So they're creating businesses and, and building their own projects. And so to me, the combination of those who are willing to A, get out of their comfort zone, B, you know, want to experience a life beyond the status quo and what was kind of expected of them by societal norms. And then see, you know, entrepreneurship, building something of their own, it it just creates for a perfect combination of community. And more than, you know, liking the ability to work from Bali or Japan or whatever, I think it's the community that I've been most excited about and attracted to. That's so amazing. Very often just connecting with human beings is so detoxing in itself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. And I found quarantine, you know, one of the hardest things for extroverts like myself is not being around people. We could do Zoom calls and calls all day, but like if we're not physically around people, it becomes really hard. And yeah. What about video content? What got you into video content and creating such amazing content that impacts millions of people almost every week? I've always been a storyteller since I was a young age. I I was obsessed with journalism and journalism through storytelling. You know, there's breaking news and then there's more documentary storytelling. And I've always kind of liked the latter. I liked telling stories about individuals and people. And I love business. I love money stories because, you know, everything, money impacts every moment of our life. Not every moment, but almost every moment of our life, whether it's like, you know, walking into our house, right? That, That costs us money getting a coffee that costs us money, taking a taxi or taking the train that all costs us money. So I love covering business and money. What first got me into digital video was I started out as a producer at CNBC in New York City, you know, producing guests for live television. And then CNBC came to me and said, hey, why don't you move to Singapore and launch a digital video team? So I launched the team with uh, some others in 2016. And at first I was, you know, excited, but I was actually more excited about doing live television. That's kind of what I really wanted to do. But then after about a year, I started to see, wow, these videos that I was making for YouTube would get 100,000 views, 500,000 views, sometimes a million views. How cool is that, that the story that I'm telling can be seen by literally, you know, several billion people in theory, but also they can watch it anywhere, anytime. I started to see that 
there was so much growth opportunity in digital video. My friends in New York could see it. My friends in India, UK, they could all watch my videos without having to be in front of the TV at a certain time. Even if they were in front of the TV at a certain time, chances are they didn't have you know, the cable access. So I really saw the potential for growth with digital video. And that's why I really went all in. And so for four years, I created videos about technology, mostly for CNBC's uh, YouTube channel, Facebook channel. We did a partnership with Facebook, a partnership with Snapchat. And I, it was very rewarding, particularly to tell the China tech story. So this was really the coming of age of China tech, where we saw the emergence of, of Huawei, of Xiaomi, of Tencent, of Alibaba. And so to be able to tell that to a global audience was extremely rewarding. So something that I've come across every time I speak to someone interesting, in fact, every time I speak to another human being, is that very often our entire life can be summarized into a few moments, into a few experiences that really shape the way we look at the world. Even though our life is made of so many moments and so many experiences, meeting so many people, about 8 to 12 moments or experiences really define how we look at ourselves, look at situations and look at everything that we do. So any such experiences that really stay with you today that you look back at during stressful times or during times when you really need to be with yourself and need to detox through your massive amount of experiences in your digital nomad journey. I would say, you know, one of them is that time that I first went to Bali and experienced the digital nomad scene. I remember thinking to myself, I was there for a few days, how cool would it be to be able to live this lifestyle and, you know, work with these kinds of people. So I think that's one of those moments. The other moment is once I interviewed Gary Vee, and I actually have interviewed him four times, and one of the times he told me, he was like, you know, your videos are really killing it. I'm seeing you a lot on, on the internet. And that really was a moment where I was like, wow, you know, when Gary V tells you that, that's quite exciting. And it felt really exciting to hear that. And then another moment was when I would say in China, you know, anytime I go to China, I'm just always fascinated by what I see. It's really it's an example of a place that really is so advanced when it comes to technology and starting to see some of their technology really go global and infiltrate the US market and the West in general from you know apps like TikTok to live stream shopping. And so I think anytime I go to China, it really just inspires me to want to tell more stories and create more content and videos. I think that those are the things that come to mind right now. So what's your favorite video you've created? <laughs> My favorite video was probably a video that I made about robots in Japan in which the narrative in the West was that, you know, Japanese are befriending robots as companions and how that's so weird. But what I did is I actually spent a week with a robot that's a companion robot. And I got to really experience what is it actually like to do that as opposed to what we think it is. We think it's weird and creepy and this and that. But in, in reality, it was until you experience it, you don't really know. And so I did it. It's kind of like a mini documentary. It's on YouTube. And that was one of my favorite stories because it's, I'm teaching people something new about technology, but I'm also, it's really the hardest storytelling where as a character, kind of, I go through this transformation where the first moment that I rent the robot at the airport, I'm laughing because it's talking to me and it's saying, nice to meet you. And I'm like, this is so weird. This is so creepy. But then by the end, I've actually ended up 
personifying it and almost humanizing it. And I'm introducing it to people, I'm, uh, my friends, like, oh, this is Ropohan and today he's cranky, you know? And so to see the transformation that I went through was interesting and, and in a way humbling because it changed the narrative on, oh, this is so creepy that robots might be companion assets to the elderly, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, actually I could see how that could provide value. And for us to, to prejudge it without, you know, really learning about it is unfortunate. So that's definitely one of my favorite videos I've done. And then I, I recently did one for my YouTube channel where I went, walked around San Francisco and showed what it's like right now amid the pandemic, amid a surging crime rate, amid so many places that are boarded up. And that one is really just a mini documentary about what it's like. And I kind of present the viewer with a question which is, you know, will San Francisco ever be the same again? Because so many tech companies are going remote or they've said, you know, our employees don't need to come back necessarily. And so it, it really raised questions within me that I left with my audience of what's the future of San Francisco going to be like this iconic famous city. And the, the amount of comments I'm getting every day on that video is just incredible. And it really sparked a chord with a lot of people who, who have an opinion and want to share and have everyone from no, the city's going to bounce back. It always does. And then you have others saying San Francisco is the next Detroit. It's going to, it's going to be really in trouble and, and have a really hard time. And so that to me, again, is one of my favorite videos that I've done, but it's, it was also a lesson for me. You know, there are a lot of content creators and vloggers who have a very, very strong opinion. This is how you should feel. This is how you should think. I do see myself as a journalist first and foremost. I am a journalist and with that comes a responsibility to be, you know, unbiased. I'm, you know, that's what journalism is. And it's my responsibility to educate and, and inform, but not manipulate or, or necessarily try and persuade. And it's funny, a lot of comments that I get on my videos on TikTok or YouTube are, okay, so what's your point, you know? And it's so funny to me when I get that comment because we're living in a world in social media where people are so accustomed to opinions. They're so accustomed to having a strong opinion about an issue that when I do a video about, here's what's going on in San Francisco, you guys, it's boarded up, da 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 you know, some people are, can't even digest that because they wanna know, what's the point? What is, you know, are you saying San Francisco is done? Are you saying, you know, we should move? It's funny, someone on that video even said, even accused me of being an extreme conservative. They're like, oh, you're doing this video to show that the liberals who run San Francisco, look at what they've done. And I'm, I just thought that was so hilarious. The assumptions that this person made, first of all, bringing politics into this video, which I never once said, you know, I never mentioned a politician's name in that video, let alone a political party. And then number two, for them to to interpret my mini documentary as trying to be a statement against the Democrats <laughs> when in fact I voted for Biden, you know? So I think it's, we're living in such an interesting time where to be honest, if I did have stronger opinions, I would probably be growing a lot faster. But to me, it's, it's important to not abuse that voice and, and be responsible. And instead of ending my videos with a, a definitive opinion that I wanna convince you of, I like to genuinely end my videos with a question that I'm genuinely curious. And, and I'd love to say, guys, I, you know, uh, I see both sides, the Apple Facebook dispute. I did a video about the Apple and Facebook dispute. And I said, listen, I see both sides. On one hand, I see where Apple's coming from protecting the user's privacy. But on another hand, Facebook has gotten used to, you know, using this data as a way to run its business model and, and do targeted advertising. What do you guys think? That's really what I take a lot of pride in.
I'm looking for flights to Japan right now. <laughs> Amazing. So I love that. I think it's so important to have content that's not biased because very often our personal views are never really personal and we never really accept that. In context that you will see a person claiming that this is his view without knowing that he hasn't had the chance of doing any independent thinking and it's not his view but it's uh, the view of the person he follows most and the bias becomes so subconscious that it's unbelievable how many people think that they have their own views however they don't and that's what's so important to have and that's when negative news comes in negative news is something a lot of people need to detox from on a regular basis given how harmful it has become over yes. the past some time so i think it's so important to have content that doesn't make you biased but gives you space for coming up with your own views because when when in a world where we need to make our own decisions we end up becoming a part of clan a or clan b and that's where it's important to question and be curious but what's more important is to not let our news be biased and yeah that's what i love about your content <laughs> it's in fact there's there a lot of things i love about your content but this is solely in the top I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And I've gotten into some debates with other creators that are saying you need more to have more of an opinion and say this is the takeaway. People don't want to just, you know, know the facts. That's often what inspires people to share a video, right? It's like, yeah, I'm upset about this topic and this guy feels needed so I'm going to share his video because I'm also upset. And that's great. I think there is a time and a place for that, especially in human interest stories and inspiring stories. But when it comes to covering tech and covering business, I, you know, I'm not saying I won't experiment with maybe getting more into definitive stances here and there. But for now, I really take pride in accurately conveying both sides and really leaving a question to the audience. I think there's space for both the kinds of content. There's space for content that's very, that gives you a bias. And then there's space for content that lets you think. The thing is that the content mm. that gives you a bias, the ones that are backed by an opinion, there's a lot of that content already, and it's extremely claustrophobic. And when it comes to content that does that lets you think for yourself and doesn't impose an opinion or a bias on you, and in fact thinks of you to be capable of coming up with your own decision and letting you evaluate that content based on your own personal choices and personal values. content that doesn't really have a message but is more about informing rather than putting up a negotiation of views it's more about notifying what's happening in the world that space mm. is so less looked at and i think that's so important to get content that really doesn't give you a bias but lets you think and evaluate it for what it is and why it is mm. again love your content that was well said <laughs> that was well said thank you thank you for for the entire audience listening to this i am a big fan of upton that's the only reason i i've said i love his content so many times and i don't do this too many people so yeah this is a this is the moment you need to log on to instagram and search for upton thank you so i'm uh, moving on you worked with so many amazing people you've interviewed so many amazing people and you've gathered so many perspectives and very often <laughs> now now the funny part is the the way the conversation uh is taking a route from discussing about not about delivering content without biases when you get when you talk to people very often people's biases come through to you 
however amazing these people might be. How is it for you to deal with these biases? Anything that stays with you? Well, that's a great question. And I think that as a journalist, your job is to be non-biased. But the people that you're interviewing, they're not supposed to be non-biased. They should be biased. Actually, it's going to make a better story, right? I mean, if I'm a journalist and I'm interviewing two people that are non-biased, I don't have a story, actually. I just have everybody that's saying, well, this, well, that, right? And, and there's no opinions. We do want opinions. I think the key is you know, being able to push back on, on people when you interview them. So for instance, if you're interviewing somebody and they're promoting their company, that's great, but you also want to look at the, okay, yeah, you're helping the world. You know, one example I'll give you is Oyo Hotels, which um, I was actually in a clubhouse room with, with Nas Bailey and, uh, and John Russell, a reporter for TechCrunch, and they really got into a, a nice little debate because John Russell had been doing a lot of research and hard work to discover the financials of Oyo Hotels and why its valuation is so high and if it actually warrants such a high valuation. And then you have Nas Daily coming on doing an inspirational video about its billionaire founder and how hardworking he is and how amazing he is. And of course that got, I think, over 100 million views that video. And the two of them were really at odds with each other because John was frustrated. He said, that's not journalism. That's just pumping somebody's ego and inflating them. And, you know, meanwhile, I've been spending weeks and weeks and weeks on this project to try and get to the bottom of this company. And then somebody like Nas Daily does this video. So I think, like I said, I think there's a place for both of these stories in the market. We need the Nas Daily's to inspire us and share these stories. We need the John Russell's to, to do the more investigative journalism. But the truth is, as a journalist and as a content creator, a lot of the rules are still undefined, but we want my goal. I'll just speak on my behalf. My goal is to look at both sides. And Drew Binsky does this a lot too. He'll say, look, I know a lot of people disagree that you shouldn't go to Afghanistan, but I think you should. And here's why, you know, and Drew Binsky is one of my, is someone I really respect in the industry because he's able to, to create interesting, compelling content make people aware that there are two sides, but ultimately he does give his side. He does have a bias. And I think it's actually perfectly okay to have a bias and I'm okay to do that myself. So long as I've recognized, you know, some people disagree with me because blah, 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 blah. But here's why I think COVID blah, 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 blah. Right. And I think that's, that's the difference. I think there's a difference between having a bias and being blind to the other side and then having a bias, but at least acknowledging the other side. I think that's where responsible content comes into play, responsible content and storytelling. So when you create content that's supposed to be unbiased, how are you able to deal with a bias that might have come in personally and you might not be aware of? Well, of course, of course, there's going to be a bias, right? I mean, they say, actually, if you look at even the New York Times, their reporters are biased. You know, it's probably a lot of it is subconscious bias. But it's our goal to consciously decide to weigh both sides and to eliminate some of our biases, right? And so I've dealt with that a lot in terms of covering China. You know, I've done a lot of videos on China Tech, which you can find on YouTube. And people used to comment, oh my God, CNBC is so pro-China because of this, you know, they would see the videos that I'm like, look how cool this technology is, right? And in a way, it's at the end of the day, it's like people who say those kinds of comments are ultimately projecting their own their own opinion. They're projecting their own opinion because they've built up China in their own right, that they see that this video, which actually has nothing to do with politics, is neutral or pro, not pro-China, but it's positive. It's not, the video didn't fit into the 
bubble they had already put you know a place like China in and so they had a problem with that so I think for me it's all about creating content where I am able to acknowledge here someone's you know some people say this others say that and maybe I have an opinion maybe I ask you what your opinion is but I think that when it comes to interviewing people like for instance I'll give you an example I interviewed James Asquith who's taken over 140 flights since the pandemic began he's likely the world's most traveled person on earth uh, since the pandemic started. And so I did a video on him and I, he's somebody I interviewed. And of course he defends his decision and says, I love traveling, traveling keeps economies open and you know, travel's amazing, this and that, right? So I interview him, I do the video, but then of course I bring up the fact that, you know, James is doing this at a time when many politicians, you know, public figures and politicians are encouraging us to stay at home, to not travel, to not leave. Yet James is doing this anyway because X, Y, Z, right? So for me as a journalist, I'm not going to just say, here's James, here's how amazing he is. He's saying, forget, forget the travel restrictions. I'm going to get on 140 flights, right? That would be a very biased video. And that's something that I might do, you know, if James is my best friend, right? But I'm a journalist. And, and so I'll do, you know, when I do do the video on him, I say, listen, this is what he's doing. This is why a lot of people would disagree with him and, you know, not support his decision because for X, Y, Z. So again, to me, that's an element, that's an example of non-biased storytelling where you might see other content creators say, this is James, hear how amazing he is. When everyone was afraid to leave their house, James like didn't have any fear. He said, I'm going to travel the world no matter what and help tourism around the world, right? To me, that would be a very irresponsible video to make because it, it wouldn't give the story the proper context that it needs. <laughs> Very well said. So apart from this, interviewing all these people, any thoughts that someone expressed that really stayed with you and helped you uh, through when you were going through any uh, rough patch, any ideas, like Gary, we expressed a lot of these in his personal content, any ideas from all these amazing people you interviewed that really personally influenced you? I would say consistency is the name of the game. You know, when I left CNBC and decided to create my own content, I told myself that I'm going to do three videos a week, no matter what. And I've committed to that since I launched on October 10th. So it's been about four months now. And I've already seen such great results from views going up, you know, tripling my audience size and even, you know, companies reaching out. And I think that to be honest with you, I wouldn't have expected those kind of metrics within four months. I thought maybe it would take a year. And I think the, the secret to that, that any of your listeners can hopefully apply in their own life is to be consistent. So many of my friends, my cousins have so many ideas for startups, for projects, for jobs, you know, for, to, to create a new app, right? But the reality is most of us will start something and then we'll never finish because we have what I like to refer to as shiny object syndrome. We see one object, then we see another thing that's shinier. We put that one down and we go do that one. And I think that the best thing that, you know, we all can do as people who are creating content, starting businesses, or even just, you know, want to really create impact at scale with our nine to five job is to really invest into something. It's so easy to get distracted and stop one project and start another. But if we really just commit to ourselves and make promise to ourselves that for the next year, two years, three years, I'm going to just focus on this. There's really so much potential and excitement to be had. And you know, one last thing I'll say is, and I ask people, I'm like, do you want to look back in six months and have 
three or four or five projects that you did half well, or do you have one, do you want to have one project that you did extremely well? And to me, that's a matter of prioritization, but also commitment and consistency. Perfect. Love the, the entire idea of consistency and how often we talk about it and how less we actually use it. So moving on to the rapid fire round, these are a couple of quick questions. Answer them in five seconds or less. Okay. You wake up in 2050. What's the first thing you do? Swim in the ocean. You wake up in 2030. What's the first thing you Google? Today's temperature. Cook food or order it? Cook food. Wake up early or wake up late? Wake up early. Alone time or family time? Family time. Learn new this or learn a new skill? Learn a new skill. Workout or relax? Workout. Do chores or declutter? Declutter. Uh, your favorite movie? Up in the air. Your favorite web series? I don't watch much web series. Your favorite artist? Kaigo. I like Kaigo a lot. Your favorite artist when it comes to painting? I don't have one. I'm not a strictly not an artist in painting. Your favorite food? Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's a global favorite. <laughs> if you had to stay at one yes. place for the rest of your life, what would that place be? California. If in a post-pandemic era, you could have one person with you there, who would that person be? I'm going to say nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I think family is good when it's your mom and your dad, and you know, when, I, when it's a few people. But just one family member, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to create a ruckus in your family by getting your bias here. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It's really fun hosting you. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure and I appreciate coming on. Best of luck to you. You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.